Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Today, I want to talk to you about, I've called these series, it's not series, because I want to talk about things that are dear to my heart before we get into series. Series keep you into a vein or a track of things in which you're going to continue to talk on. So we called these this month the month of random. Random means just speaking on things that God speaks to my heart during devotional time. I had some people in my house yesterday, and they were saying, Pastor, how do you keep yourself fresh and alive and vibrant for God? And you seem to always have the zeal and the fire and all this. Well, it's by what you do. And I love to journal, and I love to read. I love different books. I have five different books going on right now in my briefcase, and I have a different diet for this and a different diet for that. And I love to just keep myself fresh. And so when I do that, I always say this, God speaks to me. He hears me and he responds to me. So I always remember that God hears me, speaks to me, and responds to me. So when God speaks to me, hears me, and responds to me, I write it down and I journal things that God gives me. So a lot of times what you're seeing and hearing is from my journal or my secret places with God. When Mindy was my secretary, Mindy, man, she remembers. She read some of my journals. And I I remember one time pulling out of my journal uh, a, a devotional time that God gave me in the secret places of where I was with God. And, and, and what happens is God begins to speak to me about different topics and different things. In February, we're going into the book called John, and our series is called John. We're not going to do the whole book of John, but God, in my devotional time, in my devotional time, in my time with God, God gave me some specific stories out of the book of John that are relatable to your life today. So we're going to start John in, in February, and then we're going to go in to in, 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 in uh, March, we're going to talk about habits, about habits in our lives that maybe need to be maybe broken in our lives. But now we're talking about random. And so we're going to, this is a two-part message today, and just to let you know, it's a two-part message, but it's called Dream Killers and Life Suckers. Dream Killers and Life Suckers. Uh, just this last summer, my grandkids came to visit us. And, you know, you always talk about what's dear to your heart. You talk about what's dear to your heart, whether it be your newfound wife like Adam Moody and, and Alyssa. They're just now married. They still are living in that Google-eyed stage. And they talk about each other and talk about the, the nuances of each other and all that stuff. You talk about what's dear to your heart. And obviously, my grandkids are dear to my heart. And whatever is dear to your heart, you're going to talk about. So you may hear me talk about sports a lot. You may hear me talk about my grandkids a lot. You may hear me talk about you a lot. Whatever is dear to my heart, I'm going to talk about. But most of all, I love to talk about the Lord. But anyways, my grandkids were here with us this summer, and so I don't want to scare you. But anyways, we took them to Patterson Park right up there close to Superior. We went hiking there. We went to saw the waterfalls. It's beautiful. And we did all that, and we got sweaty. And your papa, their papa tried to act like I was young with them, and they were leapfrogging onto different rocks and Sure enough, I tried to do that, and plump, there it is. I jumped, and I splashed in the water, and I got soaked from head to toe, and then tried to walk down that hill, and it's cold, and you're, right? But I, they were laughing. They were cracking up. Oh, papa, papa, papa. And I was, man, having fun with my grandkids. But after we got done hiking, they were sweating because they were running way ahead of us, and they were sweating. So we decided to go swimming. I didn't because I was already cold, but they did. 
And so they went and got their swimsuits on, and they changed in the, in the, in the changing rooms. And they went swimming there right there at, at Patterson Park. Well, they were only in the water for about 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, one of my grandbabies, Zion, she got out of the water. And when Zion got out of the water, right away we noticed that what stuck to her was two leeches on her. I mean, they were like, one was like three inches long, the other was like two. So don't be afraid to go swim in that Patterson Park. Man, be careful when you get out, right? Well, they got these two leeches that were on her. And she was only in the water for 20 minutes. But in that time, those leeches grabbed a hold of her so hard that it was already drawing blood. And then once we got the leech off her, or the leech is, what happened was they had sucked so hard that they had little circles on her body. And you could see, and she's screaming. Of course, she's only eight years old, excuse me, seven years old. And she, ah, get him off me, Papa, get him off me. And, of course, I didn't have any salt to get him off and all that kind of stuff. So I had to pull him off. And it drew blood, and it had a circle. And, you know, in life, there's a lot of leeches that latch on to us that sucks life out of us and kills our dreams. And we have these leeches, they're, they're dream killers and, and life suckers. And what are they? If you have your notes, check this out. There are a lot of things that are harmful to us. And harmful us to physically, okay, now get this, mentally and spiritually. But one of the things that hurt us in all three areas of our lives is excuses. Now get that. Excuses. Man, I, I don't want to, do, to, to work out. I, after first service, a gentleman came up to me and said, Pastor, you nailed it right between the eyes with me. She said, I make all kinds of excuses of why I can't exercise and why I can't do this and why I can't do that. And so because I make all excuses, I, I continue to carry around this excess weight that I have in my life. You said, you nailed it right on the head. I make excuses of why I can't physically take care of myself. Or another one is this, mentally. That we don't stimulate ourselves, we make excuses of why we don't read or why we do different things or stretch our mind or, or try to uh, explore and get out of the box that we mentally stay in the same cocoon and we don't stretch our, our thought process. Or another one is this, that spiritually, that we put the Bible on the shelf and say, man, I, I got an excuse that I don't have time to read the Word of God, or, or I got an excuse that the Word of God is boring to me. And, man, we make all kinds of excuses, and every excuse that we make can hurt us physically, mentally, or spiritually in our lives. And a lot of times we don't even realize that that's happening to us because there are life killers, there's life suckers that take the life out of us and steal from us when we don't even know that it's happening. I always say this, he that is good for making excuses, excuses is seldom good for anything else. In other words, you talk yourself out of doing anything in life and you put yourself in neutral and you put yourself in park all because excuses, excuses, excuses will steal from you, rob from you, take from you that which God wants to impart in you. What excuses do you make that limits you or prohibits you from doing things that God calls you to do? God never will never guide you without providing for you. Where God guides, he provides. Where God anoints, he appoints, or what he appoints, he anoints. So if God's calling you, he will provide for you. If he's appointing you, he will anoint you, or in other words, equip you to do it. So why do we make excuses if we know that God's going to provide for us, and if he appoints us, he's going to anoint us or give us the strength or the ability to do it? We make excuses of why we can't. I find this to be true. A lot of excuses are rooted in fear and insecurities. 
that fear, fear of the unknown. What are people going to say about me? Insecurities, I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. So we build our lives around excuses of fear, of insecurity. And fear and insecurity will rob you or put you in part or steal the blessings in which God has for your life. I always say fear stands for false evidence appearing real. It's not really going to happen, but it appears to be real. And because of that, we make excuses of why we can't. Insecurities. Man, what is your insecurity that's keeping you back from going forward in the things of God? What is that that's keeping you back in the insecurities. I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. We make excuses and we rationalize why we didn't follow through with our commitment. I can't do this because, man, she or he got in the way. I can't follow through with this commitment because it's not seeming to be smooth. Nothing's ever easy. You have to work it out, and you have to stand, keep going and keep being disciplined in this, in this journey. You can't make excuses. Sticking to our plan or chasing our dreams. We rationalize why we can't instead of why we can't. I love what Philippians 4.13 says. Bible says, I can do all things, Jack, through Christ who gives me strength. Do you know that in God's word it doesn't say can't, it says can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The only one that gives himself excuses is you. You limit yourself from the possibilities of which you could be doing in your life. Excuses. We as individuals have become skillful at picking from a wide range of excuses. To limit our capabilities. We, we make excuses. I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because of that. And eventually, we make so many excuses that you end up doing nothing. You end up doing nothing. You're just like, well, we just go through life. Wherever the wind blows, we go with it. And you have no purpose, plan, direction, goals in life. So you make excuses. And as we're in this new year, we still have 11 and a half months left. And yet we're in this new year. What are you doing? What excuse are you going to make as you go through this year that's going to keep you back from the promises that God may have for your life? We're still in this early stage of a new year. We can go through it. We saw the ball drop. We celebrate, we man, we celebrate, oh, the old is gone, the new has come. But only things will become new in your life if you do something new. Do something different. Stop making excuses from keeping you from doing something new and different in your life. Excuses will keep you from doing that. Somebody say amen. So what are some of the common excuses? You have this on your, on your notes. Common excuses are this. There is simply not enough time in the day to get it all done. How many of you have ever said that before? Man, I can't do that. I, man, there's not enough time in the day to get it done. You know what Cheryl and I do every year? If you go to our cabin, you can find this to be true. Every year we do this. We evaluate the year. We go over our year and our process of our year, and as we go over that, we find out what were dream killers and life suckers in our life. What took a majority of our time? And we evaluate things in our lives that what is not important and what is important. And what we have important in our life, we make that a priority. And what we notice that we were like sometimes hamsters in a hamster wheel chasing after things that weren't important that were keeping us from something that really mattered. And a lot of times the enemy will keep you busy and make you feel like you're so busy but you're accomplishing nothing. 
So we had to cut away some things in our life from last year that we said, man, we got to be more productive in this area. We got to be more productive in our reading, in our praying, in our studying, and all these things that are common things that we all should be asking, but also in relationships. We said, man, we got to be more productive in relationships. Last year we discovered that when we were looking at our whole year that we were busy with so many different things and we felt like fire men that putting out fires and, and doing things and helping people along the way that sometimes that we were forsaking relationships. So this year, our focus this year is to put more intentional effort into relationships. But we would have never found that if we didn't cut away some of the busyness of our lives to zero in what really matters in my life. And so many times we use the time factor that keeps us away from what matters most. Time. And a lot of times what you are doing in life is really unproductive. But you're busy. And you think you're important. And you're accomplishing much when you're really not. And we had a look at that. Another one is this. It's just not the right time. You will never know the right time if you never put one foot in front of the other. My model in life is that God opens the doors that no one can shut. And he shuts the doors that no one can open. So you know what? If I'm always waiting for the right time, I might be waiting a long time. You know what? I've always find this to be true. Everything's not going to fall into place to make it perfect before it happens. Because if you're waiting for everything to fall into place and everything has to be perfect, you are going to be waiting a long time. Because it doesn't just happen. It starts evolving as you start moving, as you start progressing, as you start making progress in your life. That's when it starts to unfold. God is not a wasteful God. He will not waste his dream or his words if you're not going to do something with it. That's why God gathered the five loaves, the, five, the 12 loaves, the 12 baskets. After the five loaves and the two fish, he gathered it all up because he's not a wasteful God. And he's not a wasteful God with your dreams. He's going to see, are you going to move? Are you waiting for everything? to fall into place, that everything has to be perfect. That's not faith. Faith is trusting God. I believe what you said, and therefore I'm going to do it, even if I don't see it and understand it. And a lot of times we're waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect things to happen, to line up. It doesn't happen that way sometimes. Another one is this. I don't make enough money to be successful. I don't make enough money. You know what? God doesn't care how much you make. God just wants you to be utilized what you do have. Make the most of it, what you do have. Make the most of it. Well, what you do have. When Cheryl and I were, man, pastoring, man, our tax man every year, Scott Larson, you can call him. He's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I've been with him now for 36 years, my same tax man. You know what he does? He calls me. A lot of times he said, Pastor CJ, do me a favor. He said, you need to write a book because you live below the poverty line of all what you give. You can call him up for yourself, Scott Larson. And the thing is, what you have is all you're going to have if that's what you hold on to. If you are always walking in fear and doubt and making excuses you can't, that's, guess what? God can't take your seed and multiply. What you sow is what you're going to reap. God, I'm going to do what I can because, God, you are in the business of multiplication. I'm not going to make excuses. 
God, you take my little and make it much. Here's another one. I just don't feel good enough. You know what? I said this in the first service, and because I have a psychology major, you know, in psychology, you read about all kinds of people's lives. That's why I love going to the mall. I love going to the mall. And you know what I love going to the mall for, Tamara? To watch people. I love watching. People are funny. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you want to crack up, just watch people. You know what I'm talking about? Some people walking down the aisle, man, they forget that they're picking their nose. Or another one scratching their behind. Or whatever else they're doing. You know what I'm talking about? And you're laughing like, Man, they're in public and they're doing this, right? People are funny. They're hilarious. But you know what they say in psychology? A lot of times people don't feel good enough. It's because they don't have purpose or meaning in their life. And the opposite of direction and drive is discouragement and defeat. And you know when you are walking in discouragement and defeat, guess what? The enemy comes along with his peanut gallery and starts joining in with the choir, saying, you're right, you'll never make it, you're doomed. And what happens is you take on the spirit of oppression, discouragement, and defeat that you start feeling decaying like a truck out in the middle of a field that's rusting away. And all this, man, decaying because of the weather and all the debris that's happening around it. And what happens is that because of that, it sucks the life out of of you. Do you know, true story, you can check it out for yourself. They say that people over 62 years old and more, they say what happens without a purpose, people of 62 or more, without a purpose and drive in their life, they're just going through life in the motion, retired, staying at home, doing whatever. They say that people at 62 or more, if they don't do something in their life, they lose two hours a month of their lifespan. True story. And you, the whole thing is about what happens with people, they don't feel good because they're carrying the weight of discouragement and defeat, and it will suck the energy and life out of you. That's why the joy of the Lord has to be your strength. Another one is, I'm too tired. How many of you have said that before? I'm too tired. I can't do that. I got to go find Sister's Pillow and Pastor Sheets, man. I got to stay in the bed. Lay my head down, lay me down and softly whisper, right? Too tired. Man, you know what? When you have a, making excuses, man, you know what? You're right. You're going to become tired. But I've always find that when I have a drive, it gives me energy, purpose, and passion to move out. And misery loves company. And if you're talking in a tired man, guess what? You're going to be tired. But here's another one. Our excuses list for not serving God. Why don't we serve God? Here's the first one. I'm a new Christian. I don't know the Bible inside out. You know, hey, Pastor CJ, he knows it, whatever. I don't know the Bible. You know what? People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And if you want to win people to the Lord, you want to win people and be a hands and feet for Christ, it's not knocking them upside the head with a 10-pound Bible saying, you're going to hell if you don't get right or get left. People want to know that you're genuine and that you care and that you really, really love them and that you, man, are interested in them, that you go the extra mile. This is no kidding. In the first service, they were in the first service. Cheryl and I took this family out on Friday night. We went to the fish fry at the poorhouse. And this family has been coming to the church. No kidding, Kevin. This just happened Friday. This Friday. And uh, we took this couple out. And uh, they said, Pastor CJ, she said, she said, I want you to know. I want you to know. I almost left your church. 
And I said, man, why? And I was waiting for this big thing, Terry, to hit me upside the head that I'd done something wrong and blah, 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 whatever. And she said, I'll tell you why, Daniel, that I left, almost left this church. And I was waiting with that anticipation. What is it? What did I do that she wanted to leave the church? She said, when I came to your church, she said, the first thing I thought about you was you're phony. She said, but I came back the second time, and I found out that you truly, really, really love people like you say you do. She said, I couldn't believe it. How can somebody love people so much like you do? She was in the second service, the first service this morning. I didn't have her raise her hand because she was already turning red. People knew who she was. <laughs> but you know what? She recognized the sincerity and I pray that that's what you do with me. But people recognize you in your sincerity. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. So when you say you're not a new Christian, that's okay. Tell them what God did in your life. You know what I always do? I always say to people, I say, hey, my Catholic buddy, what is the greatest gift that you ever had? Let me give you a little principle, a little nugget. John, what is the greatest gift you ever had? What is it? And you say your gift and you tell them. And they tell you what the greatest gift is, Stephanie. Here's a real simple evangelism tool. They tell you the greatest gift and that's what they ever had. And then they listen to it. Well, that's awesome. Man, that's cool. That great guitar. Wow, that's awesome. Then they say, well, what is your greatest gift? Oh, I'm glad you asked. J-E-S-U-S. He's my Lord and King. And it introduces you or them to Jesus. And what you do is just like a product. A product, you tell the person what the product does. You tell Jesus, this is what he's done in my life. He's the best gift, the best product that's ever been in my life. He's transformed me, changed me, rearranged me, and made me new inside and out. He transformed my stinking thinking. He changed my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. He, man, that's the great gift in my life. And people's ears will perk up. Wow, if he did it for you, he can do it for you. Right? I love this. It's the preacher's job. Oh, he gets paid, all that, man. Hey, I can't go to your places. Man, if I, I can't go where Heather works or Jamie works or whatever. I can't go to your places. I love Pastor Caleb. I, I'm so proud of our youth pastor. I kid you not. You know what he's doing now that you don't know? Every Thursday, I can't even see Caleb. Every Thursday, Caleb is in our high school at the school lunches eating with the kids in the cafeteria. That bad food, he's still eating it, but he's ministering to the kids. Come on, give it up. Amen. He's going to those schools. He's telling people about Jesus. You know what? I can't do that anymore because I'm not hip, right? But he is. I can't be in some of the places you're at, but you can be a witness. Man, there's something peculiar and different about that person. You don't even have to say a word. People will identify you. Excuses. I can't be. A, that's not my spiritual gift. I always say this. You will never know your spiritual gift if you don't start walking and doing something. I love God because God is like an exploratory. You start to explore the things in your life and what God wants to do in you. You never know your gifts until you start walking. But we make excuses. That's not my spiritual gift. 
when I was with these people yesterday, they were at my house. They were at my house yesterday, and Cheryl had to go pick up some stuff for the Valentine's banquet. So I'm ministering to her husband and their wife, and I'm sharing about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And they discovered, as we read about the different gifts, this was just yesterday, they discovered that, man, I have that gift. Man, I have that gift. I, oh, man. Sometimes you need to just identify your gift. Why is it that you, man, got these strong points in your life, but you're so focused on the weak points that you forget about your strong points? If you're always focusing on your weak points, you're going to bring your strong points down. And then what happens when you bring your strong points down and your weak points up, you're going to become average, status quo. So you focus on your strong points all the time. Operate in your sweet spot of life. Operate in that gift. And then the other gifts will start bubbling up out of you. Man, I love this one. I must pray about it. When people do that to me, I said, okay, that's, that's a no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just saying no. Okay, politely, that's their way of saying no. And then they never come back to you, so they avoid you like the plague when you see them next week. <laughs> I know that one. I'm just too busy right now. Have you ever said that? I find this. There are no good reasons for not obeying the Lord only excuses. Only excuses. In, in Luke chapter 14, I love this story. It's a time of celebration and promotion. It's a time of victory and a time to dine and a time to rejoice and a time to celebrate. How many of you like that, right? I love Heather. Heather, you're a party waiting to happen all the time. Get around this lady. She's contagious. She is so contagious. See that laugh right there? You and Pastor Carolyn come from the same mold. You got that laugh. I love it. Get around Pastor Carolyn at staff meeting. I intentionally try to make her laugh. Because it's contagious. But here was an opportunity for promotion to come in their lives. And look what happened. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So in other words, he's saying blessed. Now remember that, blessed. That God's intention for your life is to bless you. And so many times we excuse the blessings or we exempt ourselves from the blessings because we make excuses. Where God doesn't want to harm you, he wants to bless you. Always remember that. The devil comes to kill, rob, or destroy, John 10.10. But Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. So in every invitation that God has for your life, it's not to harm you but to bless you. So here he is. He's giving us an invitation. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Those guests are you. Those guests are you. It was a crowd just like us. And they're you. But look at the response. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servants to tell those who had been invited. Every one of us have invi been invited. God is not a respecter of person. He invites us all to come. That's why he says in Romans 2 to 11 that he's not a respecter. He doesn't show favoritism. He invites you to come. Now watch this. Come, for everyone is now, everything is now ready. So it's all prepared. It's all ready for you to dine, to celebrate, to be promoted, to be honored, all these things. But look at the excuses. Watch this. But they all alike began to make, everybody say it together, excuses. Excuses are dream killers and life suckers. 
They'll make you stop promoting. They'll make you stop in your tracks. They'll stop you from being adventurous. They'll stop you from progressing. They'll stop you from taking risk in your life. That's what excuses do. Now look at the excuses that were made. It gets greater. It gets better as we go on this. The first one said, I have just brought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. What kind of excuse is that? I got a field. Oh, it's going to be there 340, 64 days a week, but not today. But I got to go take care of it today. Here's another one. Check this one out. Another one said, I have just brought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me, but check this one out. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Bring her with. You see how we make excuses? And the list goes on and on. We make excuses of why we can't do certain things in our lives. And excuses only keep us from promotion, blessing, promises, goals, dreams, hopes in your life. And a lot of you are killing your own dreams by the excuses that you're making in your life. And God says you can do all things through me, but you're making excuses of why you can't. How many have ever done that? You robbed yourself of a blessing. And what happens is when you make excuses, the other people go on. Now watch this. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You notice why he did that? Because people who are in need are going to search for the answer. But sometimes in our lives, we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable where we're at financially, physically, emotionally, whatever the case may be, that we make excuses it's because I don't need anything, I don't need nothing, I don't need nobody. So we make excuses. But the poor, the blind, and the lame, when you're hurting, you don't make excuses. You're going to run to somewhere to find hope in your life again. And so he went to those type of people because they knew, and Jesus knew, that they're not going to make excuses, but they're going to come. And we make excuses a lot of times because of where we're at. I don't need to do that. I'm comfortable. I don't need to do this. They can do that, and I can. But uh, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Hey, watch this. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lands and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of the banquet. They forfeited the blessings and the promotions and the promises in their life because they made excuses. Excuses are dream killers and life suckers. They'll take from you. I can't do this and I can't do that. You see, excuses will strip you from promotion, keep you from your promise, and rob you of fulfillment. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. 99% of failure come from people who have the habit of making excuses. What's your excuse? 
We're in this 11 and a half months left of this year. Some of you have already started making excuses when you made New Year's resolutions. And you're making excuses already, and you're only two weeks or three weeks into this year. Can you imagine when you get into July, August, and September, six, seven, eight, nine months down the road, and you find yourself in the same position because you're making excuses. And you're wondering why people are passing you by. Maybe they're not making excuses, but they're dreaming and producing. And all along, you're being passed by because your excuse has got you chained. What excuses are you making? People with integrity do what they say they're going to do. Others have excuses. I can't do it. But people of integrity follow through and don't make excuses. Their word is their bond. I love this one. He who excuses himself accuses himself. In other words, points fingers back at him. It's all about you. You're the one that's stopping. You're the one that's making excuses. You're the one that's quitting. You're the one. You see, the leeches that suck life, and I'm moving fast because I know it's time. That's why I made this part two. The fear of the unknown. The leeches that suck life, the fear of the unknown. You know what the unknown, what God does? The fear of the unknown. That I got to have everything line up. Everything has to line in place. Every T's got to be crossed. Every die's got to be, I's got to be dotted before I make a move. And if it's not that way, I'm not moving out. But that's not faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. And so when you begin to walk it out, then God begins to evolve it. God begins to show you. And if that's faith, and if we had the ability to see the whole picture, you would pick and choose that what you want to do even before you started down that journey. The fear of the unknown. Here's another one. The fear of failure. I don't want to be embarrassed. People will laugh at me. People will smack, mock me. Man, they'll treat me differently. Man, they'll make fun of me. How many of you know the story of Ted Williams? I love reading autobiographies. Ted Williams was the last hitter that hit over 400 Ted Williams is considered the greatest hitter in baseball. He batted over 400. But you know what that means? If he batted over 400, that means six times out of ten he failed. Six out of ten times he failed. And yet he's considered the greatest batter on the planet Earth. And can you imagine... By every time he made an out on those six times, he could have said to himself, I can't do it. I can't hit that fastball. I can't hit that curve. He could have made excuses. But every time he stepped into the box, and if you read the story about Ted Williams, he said it was his hand-eye coordination. It was the way he faced the ball and how he seen it coming out of the pitcher's hand. He could have made excuses. And today, he's noted as the greatest hitter ever. Nowadays, the guy that hits 250 makes millions of dollars. And yet, if they're hitting 200, that means he makes eight strikeouts or ground outs or outs out of 10. In life, there's going to be failures, but failures are not to keep you down. They're something to learn from and to grow from to make you better and not bitter. Another one is this, lack of motivation and drive. 
don't have the motivation, don't have the drive. And what happens, why you don't have the motivation to drive? Because you don't have a plan. Plan your work, work your plan. You've got to have a direction, course of where you're going. That would be a life sucker. Not having specific goals. Let me ask you, I wonder what your goals are. Are your goals that, man, I just want to make it up from week to week, have paycheck, man, take care of my bills, have food on the table, I'm satisfied with that. Nobody looks beyond that. Sometimes we need more of a 20-20 vision. We need a 40-40 vision, not seeing just what's in front of us, what's out there even further. What you see is what you become. If you see all this doom and gloom, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be doom and gloom. And you're going to start making excuses of why you can't instead of why you can. What you see is what you become. Your words have the power of life and death, and you will eat the fruit thereof. And some of you are eating stinking fruit, and you're eating rotten bananas, and you're eating rotten oranges, where God says, listen, you can be having a great harvest if you change your vocabulary, change your outlook, and stop making excuses. What excuses are we making? And I've got to quit right here. Steps to excuse breaking and dream making. I'll pick this up, but I want to get this one real quick. Replace your fears with faith. And next week we'll talk more about this. Fear can hold you back and put you in the endless cycle of procrastination. Go ahead, Pastor Randy, wherever you're at. It makes you procrastinate. It'll put you in an endless cycle. You'll have every kind of reason and every kind of excuse that all of a sudden you start procrastinating, making the reasons why you can't. My brother was a prime example of that. He is a great carpenter. He built houses, man, and does all this stuff. He built a house in Kenosha. And, man, this house was beautiful. I kid you not, just beautiful. Man, he put a stone rock fireplace in there. And man, a, a really nice staircase. It was just gorgeous. But when you come in this house, and they lived in it for 11 years. For 11 years, my, my brother, he forgot one thing. And I don't understand why he didn't. Made this beautiful house. But you walk in the house, you see the beautiful carpet. But you look on the baseboards, he didn't put the trim around the edges of the, of the carpet. So you walk in, you see the thing didn't have trim around some of the door frames. Didn't have trim. 11 years, he lived in this house. But when... He went to sell it. Guess what he did? Boy, he put those baseboards up. He put the trim around the doors. And man, he was so excited. His wife looked at him and said, why didn't you do that 11 years ago? Because he procrastinated. Made excuses for why he couldn't do it. I close with this. And I'll pick this back up next week. Because I want to give you principles of how to get out of making excuses. I see people all the time that they start out with an anthill of situations. And I'll just use this for an example. I used it in the first service, and I'm not describing anybody. I'm just saying that their anthill is like maybe right here at this, at this height. And that anthill is maybe doing the dishes at your house, cleaning your house, doing the laundry. And I find this so prevalent. Believe me, you, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes with Cheryl and I when we meet with people. And when people see that little pile, it overwhelms them. 
And so because it's a little pile, they make excuses of why it's not done. And so then what happens, that little pile becomes now a higher pile. And now it's starting to become so overwhelming that they get discouraged or defeated that now it becomes a mountain. Where before they could have been mountain movers, now the mountain is moving them instead of them moving the mountain because now they're so defeated and now they have this all these excuses of why it never got moved. And that's what excuses do. You know what excuses do? It separates you from God. It separates you from promotion. It robs you of joy. And the more you make excuses, it builds a wall. And it builds a prison around your life that you're now becoming a bird in a cage that you can't get out because I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're wondering why you're always in the mulching season and your feathers are always coming off. But God says if you will just let go and stop making excuses and be that which I called you to be. Let me say amen. (laughs) Check this out, Terry. There's a story about this little native Indian young man that one day he was scaling a mountain. And while he was scaling this mountain, he came across this eaglet nest. And inside this nest, there was three eaglet eggs in there. And this native guy, little boy, thought to himself, I'm going to take one of these eaglet eggs and I'm going to place this egg in with the prairie chicken eggs that is in my house. So he took this eaglet egg out. He scaled this mountain down gracefully, held on to this eaglet egg. And when he got home, he placed this eaglet in with all the prairie chicken eggs. And the mother prairie chicken She accepted this egg and laid on this eaglet egg along with her other prairie chicken eggs. And eventually they began to hatch, one by one. Finally, all the eggs were hatched and even this little eaglet. And if you know anything about prairie chickens, they are trained to go out and scrape the ground and dig for little minute things. They're really kind of immaterial. And so one day, this eaglet and all the little prairie chicken friends we're out scraping the ground looking for food. And all of a sudden, while they were scraping the ground looking for food, this great shadow flew over them. And it caught the attention of this little eaglet. And he looked up and he was amazed by what he saw. He saw this big, large bird with a 10-foot wingspan, powerful and mighty and majestic. And he looked at all the prairie chickens and he said, Hey! What kind of bird is that? And all his prairie chicken friends said, that's the great bald eagle of the sky. That eaglet turned his head back up. And he looked at this eagle again. He was so amazed by the splendor and the strength and the power and the majestic of this bird. Captivated by it. That he turned to his little eaglet friends his little prairie chicken friends. He said, I want to be like that eagle. And his prairie chicken friend said, you will never be that eagle. 
You are a prairie chicken. Do you know that that little eaglet died a prairie chicken when he was born to soar? He listened to the peanut gallery and the excuses of many that he died a prairie chicken instead of born to soar. And so many times you are listening to the excuses of your life that you are born to soar, but you're a prairie chicken scraping the ground because you have excuses that's kept you from liftoff in your life. Stop making excuses. Start doing something for yourself. Get out of that rut, that routine. Get adventurous. Start dreaming, becoming what God, John, has called you to be. Because God is not limited to time, place, or thing. All things are possible for those who believe. Will you stand with me this morning? Next week, I'll pick up part two, and I'm going to give you some keys how to break out of those habits, how to break out of those things in your life that are life's suckers that steal from you, dream killers and life suckers. Maybe some of you have a leech on you now that needs to be pulled off, and only you know what it is. I'm preaching these messages at random because it's the first of the year yet, and I'm still trying to motivate you to not get settled, not get comfortable again. Eleven and a half months are still left, and maybe you've blown it. You can try again. Come on, Ted Williams. Pick up your bat. Get in the batter's box again and swing. Swing. Father, today, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I know I went long because I didn't preach last week. <laughs> so, God, I had to empty out. But, Lord, I do sincerely pray for every individual. That, God, we won't make excuses of why we can't, but we'll know that we can through you. Father, many people are forfeiting promotions, dreams, and hopes in their lives because they're talking their way out of it by making excuses. I pray that as we are continuing into this new year, that, God, we will dream, we will hope, we will expect great things to happen in our lives. Not expecting it just to happen for somebody else, but also for us. Because, God, you're not a respecter of person. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for every individual. And I speak increase. Now, receive this. Receive this into your heart. I speak increase. Increase into every individual here today. Whether it be financial, physical, spiritually, emotional. God, I speak it into their lives right now. I call it into being. Lord, you call the sun and the moon and the light. I call it into being, into their lives. Increase, increase into their lives. No weapon formed against them will or shall prosper. They can do all things through Christ who strengthened them. They are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. There is no limit that what man can do with you, God. And I pray that in them right now. And I believe that and expect that. Now may they receive it. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Go in Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.